Restaurant owners are told all the time that you need to work more on your business and less in your business. But how do you do that when you're so busy running the restaurant? Want to know a secret? Restaurant success isn't rocket science, it's people science. Donald Burns, the restaurant coach, has helped over 2,300 independent restaurants over the past 13 years make more money while working less in their business. His signature 3P framework and coaching systems are designed to get you results that work with your schedule. The action plan is easy to follow, and you get one-on-one -on -one support from the restaurant coach personally. If you ever felt deep down that your restaurant could be better, make more, and still give you your life back, then it's time to talk about restaurant coaching. Warning, restaurant coaching is not right for every restaurant. Side effects of restaurant coaching include increased profits, better staff, happier guests, stronger brand identity, reduced stress, improved relationships, and quality sleep. Talk to the restaurant coach to see if coaching is right for you. Loading in three, two, one. Welcome to the Restaurant Coach Podcast. It's the cure for the common restaurant, expert interviews, tools, and tips to get you the restaurant you know it can be. Now, here is your host, Donald Burns, the Restaurant Coach. And welcome to the Restaurant Coach Podcast. It is the cure for the common restaurant. You know, I believe that long-term restaurant success is not rocket science, even though there are a lot of other coaches out there that would have you think otherwise. Now, I've seen over the last 42 years of working in this industry as a consultant, as an executive chef of Wolfgang Puck, and as a restaurateur, it really truly is more people science. One of the primary reasons I changed my business model over in 2009 from a consulting one to a coaching platform was that I was really disappointed at how ineffective the consulting model was. I would spend time and give people all the tools they need, and I would follow up with them a few months down the road, and nothing had changed. Nothing! I was shocked. I was totally shocked that people would spend that kind of money to get new tools and a plan and do nothing with it. Then 2008 hit, and the economy just took a dive, and I was forced to rethink my entire consulting business, so I hired a business coach who took me through his coaching process, and I'm telling you, the light clicked. And this, I knew right then, this is what I needed to become. I needed to coach people and hold them accountable to use the tools I gave them. So in 2009, the restaurant coach was born. Now, going back to what I mentioned earlier, that restaurant success isn't rocket science, it's people science, that starts with you and your mindset. Success is 80% psychological and 20% systems and strategy. And this is where the majority of restaurant coaches go wrong. They coach on the 20%. Now, every October, I host my three-day restaurant success summit here in Arizona for my coaching members. Now, on day one, day one, I always start off with a really big mindset workshop because you must learn how to control your emotions and your mindset. It's more critical than a new software or a new checklist. You learning more about your strengths, you learning about your weaknesses, and what you should focus on to try to control everything is what's driving you crazy. When you try to control everything, you control nothing. Right? And if you really want to get a restaurant that doesn't run your life, you need to get control of your mind and your mindset. So on today's episode, I want to take you into a workshop I did at a previous Restaurant Success Summit, and I want to introduce you to this idea of anchors and accelerators. 
let's jump into the live workshop. <clears throat> My attorney says I always have to show this slide. Uh, the following session is what you're going to see is basically rated TVMA. It contains uh, explicit language, adult themes, a few bad jokes. I do write my own jokes, by the way. It may not be suitable for restaurants that can do in mediocrity. Viewer discretion is advised. Don't say you haven't been warned. This isn't adult content. This is a restaurant kind of format. I do drop a few F-bombs now and then. Sometimes I catch myself. I'm like, oh, but if you've read my books, your restaurant sucks, your restaurant still sucks. You know, I, <clears throat> I pepper those books quite liberally sometimes. And if you've been on my, some of my group calls, you know, sometimes I actually do it. If we have not ever met in person before, I'm Donald Burns. I am the restaurant coach. I grew up in the restaurant business. My father was a chef. I started at 15, like a lot of people, working uh, in the kitchen, started as a dishwasher, worked my way up to prep, worked my way up to different brigade systems in the kitchen. I'd do something to piss my dad off. I'd be back peeling vegetables. It was very up and down, up and down. When I was 18, he told me it was in my blood. I said I want a transfusion. I don't want to do this. So I jumped out, I jumped out, and I jumped into the Air Force, and I went into, a, my, my guaranteed job was actually language school. I was supposed to go to Russian language school. And then basic training, this guy showed this film of these guys doing halo jumps, repelling out of helicopters, scuba diving, mountain climbing, combat search and rescue. I said, that looks a lot more fun. So I tried out for a team called Pararescue. Pararescue is, one of, is the Air Force's version of special operations. Each branch has their own kind of special operations team. I was very, very fortunate. We started with 93 guys. A year and a half later, only 11 of us graduated. And it's kind of cool. Uh, we have uh, the pararescue, we have a reunion every two years. And our reunion is actually this coming weekend down in Tucson. So it's pretty cool because I get to go see a bunch of my classmates and stuff like that. So I'm excited about that. After I got out of the military, I went back to college. And I actually could find I had experience from high school. So I got jobs in restaurants. And then I found I really liked restaurants. I really actually loved it without my dad yelling and screaming at me. Started working at the right chefs, right places. 30 opened my first restaurant, 33 opened my second restaurant. They do, both did very, very well after I hired a business coach. <laughs> and then seven years later, I sold them both, got recruited by a chef. You might have heard of him, Wolfgang Puck. I went around the country opening restaurants for Wolfgang. And then in 2005, I started my own consulting company. In 2005, I was just doing restaurant consulting. 2008, of course, the economy crashed. I hired a business coach to help me remodel my business. Uh, and he took me through this coaching process, and I really liked the coaching process. I was like, this is really cool. There's nothing like this. And I Googled, in 2009, I Googled restaurant coach. Nobody was calling himself a restaurant coach. So I bought the name, the restaurant coach, and I branded myself as the restaurant coach in 2009. I've been doing it ever since. Now everybody calls himself a restaurant coach. So <laughs> if you Google restaurant coach on LinkedIn, everyone's a restaurant coach nowadays. That's funny. Make sure you use your workbooks. You should have a workbook in front of you. Make sure you have a pen, paper. I find that research has shown if you write stuff down in your own handwriting, you're 70% more likely to retain it in 30 days. Okay. I also kind of highly recommend that when you're here, try to be here. If you need to take a phone call or something like that, please step out of the room so you don't distract other people. I know sometimes you're away from your business. You might get us a text or a call. Please just don't do it at the table. Just get up and walk out. There's plenty. Of, it's a beautiful day outside in Scottsdale. Go outside, get some air. We're going to have lunch outside. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't here and so... Uh, she made the choice, she made the call. Also too, in the worksheet, you're gonna see, there's a repeating page that you're gonna see a lot in the workbook. It has this one, it says your three biggest takeaways and then three action steps to integrate. This worksheet will be key to creating your 90 day action plan. When you're done with this, with this three day summit, 
we're going to sit down, we're going to get a call together, and we're going to put together a 90-day action plan for you based on some of the stuff that is, a, you know, that pertains to you and your restaurant so we can actually get you some traction and get you moving forward. Fair enough? But you got to do the work while you're here, and this will really help me. So after every session, you're going to see there's like a little place for notes. There's also a little place for three key takeaways. Remember, these are three key takeaways that apply to you and your restaurant. And then three things you can do, three action steps you can do. And then you can either circle one or start, whatever you like to do. If you're like some people, like you can highlight it, whatever you want, whatever you think is cool. Let's go over the rules for today. Number one, again, have some fun. Number two, ask questions. This is kind of an interactive, ongoing session. I don't really do breaks. I might break between sessions a little bit, but if you need, you know, we're all adults. If you need to get up, use the restroom, go out the door, head over to the elevators, go past the elevators, down the hallway, you'll find the restrooms there. Again, coffee, tea, sodas, water, help yourself to as much beverage as you need to. Just be conscious of your bladder. <laughs> the more you drink, the more you might have to go to the bathroom. So. And then the third thing I'm always going to say is every once in a while you're going to see me do this. If you've been to any of my sessions, you're going to see me say, I'm going to say, hashtag WTSD. What does WTSD mean? Steph? Write this shit down. Write this shit down. Exactly. Those are the gold nuggets. I do it a lot. I'll say, hashtag, write this shit down. These are the things I want you really to pay attention to. And I'm also going to put out today, I'm going to put out a challenge. I have a really cool prize for the winner. I'm not going to tell you what the prize is on day one. I'm going to see, I'm going to tell you what the prize is on day three, see if you want to participate. It's up to you. We're going to do a social media challenge. Social media challenge is this. While you're here in Scottsdale, I want you to do, here's the rules for it. You have to use hashtags, restaurant success summit and hashtag restaurant coach. If you just post a picture on your social media and you tag restaurant success summit or the restaurant coach, every time you just post a picture by itself, that's 25 points. If you do a video post, that's 100 points. And if you actually do a live stream, hey, I'm, I'm here in Las Scottsdale, I'm going live. You go live, that's 300 points. I'm going to keep track of everyone over the next three days, person with the most points. I got a really cool prize for you. What do you think the prize is? Something cool? Something cool? A pat on the back. A pat on the back? No. Gonna be some cash. Cash. Cash motivates a lot of people. Some people doesn't motivate. But again, it's up to you if you want to participate. Now, Tim in the back will be asking you over the next couple days too if you'd like to participate and do a testimonial. If you find you got some value out of the Restaurant Success Summit, the only thing I ask is maybe please just do a you know 30-second, one-minute video. That'd be great. Helps me out a lot. If not, that's cool too. Some people are camera shy. I'm not very camera shy. All right. Lions, tigers, and bears. How your mind plays tricks on you. A lot of people, when they call me for the first time, Donald, my restaurant's a mess. I need help. I can easily give you some stuff. I can easily give you some tools. A lot of times, the tools I give you aren't going to work properly if we haven't fixed a lot of the kind of foundational elements. I hate to tell you, it's usually you. If you've been in any of my courses, you know I talk about the combination of restaurant success. And if I gave you a three-digit combination and I said, open the combination, but I didn't tell you the numbers, 
you probably, most of you probably were tenacious enough where you probably eventually open it. You'd be like all day, all night, not sleeping, staying up all, I know Cora would be, she'd be up all day, all night, never sleeping. I'll figure this out, I'll figure it out. Some of you would break the lock. Some of you would get bolt cutters. Matt will get bolt cutters. There you go. But the combination of restaurant success is actually, and we talk about it all the time in all my coaching programs, we call it the 3P framework. The 3P framework is crucial to understanding restaurant success. And the 3P framework is pretty simple. It's people, it's product, and process. When we talk about people, product, and process, when I talk about those things, when I'm talking about people, I'm talking about your mindset, I'm talking about training, behavioral strengths, hiring, your why, your core values, your vision. We call that the triad, your mission, core values, vision. We talk about recruiting. When we talk about product, that's like your menu. That's also knowing your menu costing, menu engineering, menu design, menu psychology. Also marketing too, knowing your marketing avatar. Make sure you're marketing to the right people. One of the biggest problems in marketing is that people are not marketing their ideal guest. They're just doing this kind of broad, kind of generalization, stuff like that. Remember that a broken watch is right twice a day. When you have this kind of general kind of marketing plan, you get general results. But we dial into that stuff. And then process, we're talking about recipes, we're talking about budgets, I'm talking about checklists, I'm talking about the systems, I'm talking about planning. What's your plan for the next year? What's your plan for each quarter? What's your plan for the month? What's your plan for the week? What's your plan for the day? Implementation, also productivity. A lot of times we have good people on our teams, but we might not have the right people in the right spots. So we're not getting the most out of them. That's where behavioral assessments really help out. And of course, the thing that binds it all together is mindset and habits. Your restaurant is a reflection of your habits, plain and simple. I would say if your restaurant's running really, really smooth, you got more good habits and bad habits. <laughs> if your restaurant's kind of running rough, you got more bad habits and good habits. Nice thing about habits, is that habits are learned behavior. If it could be learned, it'd be unlearned, and then we can train and implement and in, incorporate a new habit, a better habit. But a lot of times it's the awareness about, oh yeah, I'm doing that. The next couple of days, we're gonna dig into a lot of stuff about habits. And I know you didn't you know, sign up to be like, you know, like positive motivational seminar or stuff like that, or come here to work on yourself, but that's what we're gonna do. Cause I got you here now. So now you're stuck. Now, here's the thing, and I've talked about this, and if anybody's ever been on a call with me, you know I talk about this. People, product, process. Most people, they work on the first part, which is the product part. You're a restaurant. You need a menu. You need to have food. Right? <clears throat> a lot of times when I'm working with restaurants, a lot of people right away have a menu. Or I've seen restaurants open up, you know, have the restaurant designed, have the kitchen designed, and did not have a menu. And then we're like, well, all right, we don't have the right equipment. Then they were trying to put the square peg in the round hole, trying to make everything fit together. So most people work on the product because that's the thing they know. And then eventually they go, oh, you know what? We probably need some processes. I need some checklists. We need some recipes, stuff like that. And then they realize, oh, you know, I probably should train people too. Here's the thing I want you to remember and write this, hashtag, write this shit down. People feed the process and process feed the people. What do I mean by that? I'll have restaurants call me and say, Donald, I can't get my team to follow my checklist. And I'll say, is, it a good, is the checklist good? And they'll go, yeah, 
dude, you gave me the checklist. I go, okay, well, the checklist is good. Look at the equation. What's the back end of that? It's the people part. They haven't been trained properly or they haven't been told why it's important to follow the checklist. They haven't bought into the core values. They haven't bought into the culture yet. On the other hand, too, I've had people call me and say, Donald, I'm really frustrated. Why are you frustrated? Oh, I, you know, I took, I had to go, you know, feed my dog at lunch. I took a little break. I come back at the restaurant. I walk in. It's four o'clock. Everyone just standing around doing nothing. Well, then I say, well, look at the equation. Is there a process in place? Do they have running side work? Do they have checklists? Do they have production sheets? Do they have things they should be working on? Oh, no, no. Well, they should know just to stay busy. Eh, here's the thing. Common sense is not very common in the restaurant business. I hate to tell you that, but it's true. If they know, <laughs> they would do it. Apparently, they don't know or they haven't bought in again to the culture, the system, and stuff like that, and the training of what should be doing when it's kind of a slower times. So remember, people feed the process, process feeds the people. You need those two to work in synergy. Because when it works in synergy with each other, what it does is it forms a protective barrier around your product. That's like a force field. So when the people in the process work in harmony, in synergy with each other, and I can usually tell, like usually when anytime somebody tells me a problem, there's always, it's always one of the three Ps. It's either people, product, or process. Nine times out of 10, it's, either, it's usually people. <laughs> and then it's usually process. Remember, they feed each other. When they feed each other in, in together, what you want to remember is that this basically protects your brand. Anybody on the Restaurant Coach Nation on my Facebook page? Yeah, if you are, I have a, I have a Facebook page. It's, a, it's, for, it's free for restaurant owners. It's called the Restaurant Coach Nation. It's just for restaurant owners only. I have some people in there that are, you know, there's some restaurant marketers in there, some guys who sell software and stuff like that. One of my friends, a good friend actually, Fred Langley, he owns a company called Restaurant Systems Pro, right? And they sell a system, they sell a software system. It's a really, really beautiful package. Very, very elaborate, very, very complex. It does a lot of stuff, lots of bells and whistles. And Fred and I go back and forth a lot of times. He's like, well, you know, if they had the software, Donald, they'll fix all the problems. I go, eh, not really. Having the software is a great tool. Having, again, people in the process in place is better. Because if I don't have the right people in place, they're not going to use the systems. And if I don't have the right system in place that's not elaborate and to <laughs> requires a degree from MIT to use or requires my manager to spend three hours in the office every day to fill all the reports, I don't want you doing that. I don't want your people in the office all day doing reports. I want them doing what they do best. I want them working with the team. That's what I wanted to do. So a lot of times when I, and people talk to me and, and I say, restaurant success is basically two things. It's mindset and systems and strategy. Most coaches out there, most restaurant consultants, they focus on systems and strategy. They think that's what you need. You need a new software, you need a new checklist, you need this and that. That's great. I love systems, I love strategy. I think it's very, very key to restaurant success. But I'm gonna go out on a limb, I'm gonna say, most of restaurant success is mindset. In fact, I'm gonna say, 80% is mindset, 20% is systems and strategy, and I've seen it over and over and over. I've worked with over 2,000 restaurants over the last 12 years doing this kind of coaching programs and stuff like that. When you work with that many restaurants, trust me, you see patterns. I see patterns of success, I see patterns of failure. I keep elaborate notes 
on all my coaching clients. Why? Because I'm looking for data points. I'm looking for trends. I'm looking for what's the common denominator, what people get struggled on. Because it helps me become a better coach because I'm like, I've seen this problem before. It's just kind of disguised as a different problem for you, but it's very similar. And I'm going to tell you right now, most of the stuff that we're going to talk about in the next couple days, now you're going to get a lot of great tools and stuff like that. You're going to get a lot of workshops about stuff you can implement right away. We're going to talk about some marketing stuff. We got, you know, I got Bruce Irving. Now, Bruce couldn't be here in person. He had a death in the family, unfortunately, last minute. He did send a video, and we're going to watch a video from him about some local marketing. He's also going to share with us, I think tomorrow, he got a really cool video about one of his kind of really cool marketing kind of uh, systems he does. It's called the Costanza method. If you ever watch George Costanza on the Seinfeld, it's like, you know, he has this kind of like, it's, it's a really cool thing about marketing. Kelly Jones from Kelly Jones Hospitality is going to be here. He's going to go over some really cool stuff. Kelly runs a company called Dining Alliance. And they run, I think it's like, I think it's up to, he's got maybe 12, 15 properties. And he runs all these things remotely. And you, you know, anybody who's like, I'm just, I'm having a hard time running one or two restaurants, Donald. I don't know. How does somebody run, you know, nine, 10, 12 restaurants and run teams? Kelly's going to share with you. And I'm telling you right now, it's all mindset. So you take yourself out of the operator mode and you put yourself in the owner mode. And this is a lot of times a shift. How many times have everybody heard someone, maybe a consultant or maybe even me say, you need to work on your business, not in your business, right? Every consultant in the world says that. You need to work on your business, not in your business. But then they don't tell you how. <laughs> it's like you, you're supposed to figure it out. I'm going to tell you how to work on your business, less in your business. And a lot of that's a mindset. When we shift from being an owner or being an operator to being an owner, that's where I want you to be. When I had my first restaurant, I did the common mistake like everyone else did. I thought I had to do everything. I can do it better, I can do it faster, just get out of my way, I got it, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. I just did everything, did everything myself. It really crushed my health, it crushed my relationships with my family. I knew I was spending too much time at work. I, had, I have two kids, they're adults now. But at the time, my daughter was like maybe four and we're driving by the restaurant. We were closed on Sundays. And we were driving by the restaurant. And out the, in the back seat of the car, my daughter, we're driving in front of the restaurant. My daughter points out the window and goes, look, there's daddy's house. I was like, oh, shit. I'm spending way too much time here. But she thinks that's where I live. Yeah. That was a wake-up call for me. I had to get my act together. From my first restaurant to my second restaurant, the biggest things to change for me was my mindset. My first restaurant, I got to do it all. <clears throat> then I hired a business coach, very, very successful businessman who taught me how to build a brand, how to actually become an owner, not an operator. And when I did that, my mindset changed to my second restaurant, which was bigger than my first restaurant. My first restaurant was a small restaurant, 50 seats, very, very limited space. I, could only, I mean, I could only max out the sales to like 750,000, that was it, because it was only 50 seats, really, really small, very, very limited, didn't have a lot of storage space, could barely do any catering, stuff like that. My second place was 10,000 square feet, and I had a full-size kitchen downstairs, production kitchen with a catering kitchen. I had a main dining room that had 100 people in it. I had two private rooms that were available, one held 40, one held 25, and I had a chef's table too that held eight people, and I had a full-size bar with a stage. How did I go from 50 seats 
to easily managing a huge property and we got the catering and I got the sales up to like 2.2 million in a year. It was all mindset. First restaurant, I gotta do it all myself. Second restaurant, it's not my job to run the restaurant. It's my job to teach my team how to run a restaurant. Changed my life. And when you can take yourself out of that position where it's, I gotta do it, I gotta run it, I gotta teach. No, it's your job to teach your team how to run a restaurant. That's your job. When you understand that's your duty, that's your job, that's your responsibility, changes your whole life. Now today we're gonna to talk about lions, tigers, and bears. This is a workshop I normally do with, I have a very, very, you probably not even heard of, I have a very, very elite coaching program called Team One. I only allow six people in it at a time. I have some very high profile chefs. I have some very high profile restaurateurs in this program. I have a lot of different level programs. I have like Restaurant Coach University, which is more like group coaching. It's more like online learning. You learn, there's a little bit of coaching each month. It's like a two hour coaching session. I have Restaurant Masterminds where we talk on the phone twice a week. It's more higher level stuff. I have my Restaurant Accelerator program where I take you through this roadmap. And I take you through like the people, product, process part. And then I have Team One. Team One's for my very, very elite, high end people. Super, super confidentiality. I mean, I, I got some high profile chefs that are in the program due to non-disclosure agreements. I can't mention their names, but if you knew these, if you saw their names, you're like, oh, damn, they have a coach? Yeah, they have a coach. This program I work on, when I work on this level, my elite pro coaching program, it's all mental. It's pretty much not even how to run a restaurant. We, uh, we dig in at this level, we dig in all into psychology. We dig into what makes you tick and what makes you, you, and what's holding you back from reaching your goals. I'm gonna share with you today a work, a kind of an kind of in-depth works, uh, worksheet and works, uh, workshop I do with that team. Now we've all seen Wizard of Oz, right? What's the quote they say? Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, right. Well, I have the same kind of thing, but I'm gonna say instead of lions, tigers, and bears, I'm gonna say it's this. It's mindset, beliefs, and alignment. Mindset, beliefs, and alignment are the primary thing holding restaurants back. Biggest thing holding you back. This workshop we're gonna go through today, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's gonna get emotional, it's gonna get deep. You're gonna go to some dark places you don't wanna go. But I'm gonna ask you to have some faith and have some confidence and go there today. You can't open the door to more possibilities until we basically solve some of the stuff that's going on. Internal struggles in yourself are usually what holds restaurants back. Remember I said 80% mindset? You gotta understand what makes you tick, what's holding you back. You have a lot of like outdated beliefs and stuff like that that were formed in your youth. Think of like, remember, anybody remember Windows XP? Yeah, yeah. It's like most of you are operating, your brain is operating on Windows XP. And you wonder how come like things don't compute right? Or how come I can't get the right people on my team? How come I can't get this? How come it seems like every day it's like it's a struggle for me? A lot of it is because you have some outdated programming that we're gonna basically eradicate, okay? Hashtag write this down. Before you can get the restaurant you truly desire, you must come to terms with the beliefs that you have that are holding you hostage to a better tomorrow.
belief systems. In coaching, we call it BS. What's BS? Bullshit, right? Yeah, in coaching we call it BS, we call it belief systems, but I'm gonna tell you right now, most belief systems are bullshit. <laughs> it's your own bullshit you bought. We're gonna break that record, we're gonna break that pattern, and we're gonna break free from all that stuff. And we're gonna start off with something that's a little, I mean, we're gonna talk about some really deep stuff. I'm gonna take you into some, a foundational assessment. Building new behaviors, what we call emotional responses. Now, one of the things I want you to pay attention to over the next three days is the words I use. I'm very, very key, I'm very, very critical about words. Words are power. The words you use on a continuous, on a habitual basis become your experience. The words you use in front of your team impact your culture, more than you know. The words you use that you talk to yourself, we call it self-talk, impact you so much more than you think. How many people have that little negative, ne negative person in their head talking to them sometimes? Like, yeah, you suck, you're never gonna do it, you, what are you doing, you're an idiot, yeah. I say you have, an inner winner, you have an inner warrior and you have an inner whiner. <laughs> who you pay attention to depends who gets the job done. Notice I said rebuilding new behaviors, emotional responses. We have emotional responses and we have emotional reactions. If you go to the doctor, Ryan goes to the doctor, he's got a, he's got a, an, he's got a rash on his leg Doctor gave him some antibiotics. He goes to the doctor and the doctor says, Ryan, you're responding to the medication. That's good. Ryan, you're having a reaction to the medication. That's not good. Every time we have an emotional event, we have two options. We can either respond or we can react. A lot of people here live in reaction. You get triggered. And then the verbal, the verbal vomit comes out. You know, and you snap or you say something. Downside about saying stuff out and loud is that once it's out there, it's out there. It's, you, I, I'm, there's times I wish I was like, maybe, oh shit, grab that word. Don't look at that word. Let me just take that and put it back in here. You don't need that. I did not mean that. It's out there, it's out there. We're going to dig into some places today. And what we're going to do is we're actually going to say that, you know, without assessing our foundation, it would be like trying to build a house without a solid foundation. It's kind of stupid. Same thing. When I talk about people, product, process, people is the foundation. Without a solid team, without a solid culture, it doesn't matter how great a menu is, doesn't matter how great our systems are, we're never going to have that house solid without having a really, really solid foundation. And here's the thing I'll tell you too. If your goal, and some of you might say, like my goal, and, and, I, and I always want people to, to dream big. Maybe you might have like, you know, I just want to have one, two restaurants. Maybe you might have this goal, I want to have 10. That's a big goal, right? I want to have 12, I want to have 20, I want to franchise this thing. That's great. Let me just tell you this, the bigger your brand, the better, the more solid your foundation has to be. How many times have you seen restaurant chains, and there's some re great restaurant chains out there, some fast food chains, and I'll give you some great examples. In-N-Out Burger, Chick-fil-A, 
doesn't matter how big they grow, it seems like they keep a really, really solid foundation. And there's other brands that they grow bigger and bigger and there's like their service and everything just seems to go down to hell. Like Burger King, I mean, you know, even McDonald's. They become so huge, but I think they've lost touch with their foundation of who they were and who they are and what they stand for. And you'll see this a lot. You'll see this a lot. I really want you to focus the next couple of days, focus on my foundation. What can I do to really solidify and have a solid, solid foundation? Now, <clears throat> we're going to start off with what I call as a life audit. Bum, bum, bum. On a piece of paper or on a notepad. What I want you to do is I want you to write down top five friends, family influencers, or you could also incorporate your top five people at your, on your team. So maybe you got a GM, people that you interact with on a daily basis. Top five, either family, friends, or top people on your team. If you want to be a little more business focused, then put down a couple people on your team. If you work with someone significant, like you work with a spouse or you work with a, a, you know, a, a business partner who's also a life partner, or you work with a business partner type, you want to put them on that list too, okay? Did you put Stephanie down, Matt? First one. First one? Nice. All right. <clears throat> Underneath that, I want you to write, now, when you think about those five people, think about the five most common conflicts and think of a topic. Now, like it could be now, I'm gonna tell you right now, like most spouses, what's the number one conflict most spouses have conflict about? Money, right? So you're gonna write five people, and underneath there, I want you to write the five most common topics or conflicts you have. Now, this is really great when you start dialing in about your team. What's like some of the common conflicts you have? Like, you know, it seems like every week I talk to my general manager about uh, labor overtime, right? Or maybe I'm talking about food costs, I'm talking about waste, I'm talking about portioning. Whatever your common topics are, write them down. This is where we gotta get brutally honest too. And if you're sitting next to someone you came here with, kind of roll your shoulder over and write really small. Chris and Corey, if you guys need to get separate rooms, let me know. <laughs> All right. Next, and if you've been in any of my coaching programs, I ask this a lot. I always have my, all my clients do a, usually an emotional log for a week. Write your most common emotions you feel in a week. What's the most common emotions you feel in a week? Satisfaction, frustration, anger, resentment. And, and be honest about the word. And, you know, I'm pissed off. I'm going to kill somebody. I'm raged. Stressed. <laughs> probably, probably a lot of you put down stressed. What's some of the most common emotions you feel during a week? And then lastly, you're going to write down 
your most common beliefs about yourself. These are usually I am statements. I am, and I want you to be honest, I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. I'm a terrible boss. I'm a badass chef. Whatever it is, positive or negative, I want you to write down any I am statements. Write down five of them. I'm going to tell you right now, by writing this down, you're going to get some clarity about who you are a little bit. It's going to help. And I'm not doing this to open up wounds. I'm doing this so we can heal. Your restaurant will never become better until you become a better person. I say it all the time in all my books. Restaurants become better when the people in them become better people. That starts with you. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Okay. More life audit. So, I want you to write your most common beliefs about your partnership. If you're in a partnership, a relationship, I want you to write down some of the most common beliefs you have about your partnership or your relationship. This is your personal relationship. Now, this is not an exercise to take back to your spouse. <laughs> I went to this workshop and I pointed out all the things about you I hate. It's not that time, okay? This guy told me to write this down and I'm here to deliver it. No. <laughs> These are beliefs you have. These are not things you're going to verbalize. These are beliefs you have that we're going to talk about one-on-one. -on -one. Do not take this as ammunition to go back. <laughs> I was like, I can just see like, uh, we won't be at the session tomorrow, Donald. Why? Uh, uh, my, my wife kicked my ass last night. <laughs> exactly. No, no. It's not about airing grievances. It's about just getting them out of your head, getting them out on paper where we can process them. This is all this is about. Next up, and this is again, be honest time. What's your most common escape behaviors? What is your most common escape behaviors? Do you run to social media? Do you grab a cigarette? Do you grab a drink? Do you shut down? Do you be quiet? Do you binge Netflix? Are you a closet Twinkie hoarder? <laughs> Mine is Reese's, I'm telling you right now. When I'm stressed out, I go grab the Reese's. Sad but true. What's your most common escape behaviors? What do you do when it gets too much? What do you do to escape? What do you do to escape? Next up, 
Most beliefs, and then these are the most common beliefs about your staff. A lot of times it's like, my staff is lazy. My, you know, these people don't want to work. <clears throat> what are some common beliefs you have about your staff? Write it down. What's the most common beliefs you have about your staff? And then finally, the most common beliefs you have about your restaurant. What's the most common beliefs you have about your restaurant? Again, more like my restaurant is statements. You know, it's amazing. It's a death trap. <laughs> I've heard both. It's a money pit. It's a black hole sucking my soul. It was a bad idea. It was a great idea. It's evolving. It's maturing. It's like an infant. What are the most common beliefs you have about your restaurant? Everybody got some good stuff written down? All right. Let's talk about anchors and accelerators. In life, you can pretty much say most people, and it's family, friends, I would say team on there, most people are either an anchor or they're an accelerator. Okay. There are times in my life when I've had relationships with friends that really, I mean, you know, there were good people, but they were anchors. They were holding me back. And it's not, not that I don't think they meant to. They just weren't aware of themselves. They weren't aware of the things they say all the time. You really think that's a good idea? You know, you should probably. I remember when I first wanted to be a consultant back in like 2005. I was like, I was leaving Wolfgang Puck. I was making over six figures. Had a very, very, you know, cushy, great life with Wolf. I wanted to go out on my own. All my friends were like, oh, that's, you know, that's risky, you know, I mean, you don't have any job, there's no benefits, you know, I mean, you're not going to start off with the salary you're making, I mean, I don't know if that's a smart move, you know, you really should just, you know, stay where you are, it's really, it's a safe, it's a safe bet. Those anchors were like, really like, you know, I was like, I wanted to jump, but I felt like I was being held back. And then you have people that are accelerating in your life, that like, do it, man, go for it, you know, that'd be awesome, you're going to be so epic at it. So when you're looking at your life, and, remember, and go back over some of those things we wrote down about people in your life. We have friends and associates, associates, and we have people on our team too, that evolve with us at a relative pace. And we also have people that kind of stay where they are. And I have even have family members like that. I've had family members in my own life that you know, we're all about go for stuff like that. And I've also had people like, you know, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Why don't you just do something smart? Why don't you do something safe? People are either anchors or accelerators. Again, this is not about calling out people. You're an anchor in my life. This isn't about that. 
It's about you getting clarity about what people are holding you back and what people are letting you accelerate. We're going to actually do a couple exercises on a couple people on your team and stuff like that, especially with your team. The biggest thing I want you to be aware of, again, is language. Language is very powerful. In my new book coming out in December, Your Restaurant Culture Sucks, I have a whole chapter about the power of words, how words are very, very powerful. And the words that you use, again, I say influence and create the culture you have in your restaurant. We're going to talk about that in the next couple of days, too. We're going to talk about a lot of the power of words. When you're making changes, you're going to have to, have to be aware. And hashtag, write this down. Awareness precedes choice. Choice precedes change. Awareness precedes choice. Choice precedes change. You have to be aware of something before you can make an actual change. And a lot of times that's you. A lot of times it's the way you talk to people. It's the words you use when you're talking to people. Sometimes it's just your attitude. And we're going to talk about some of this, this really cool stuff that we're going to talk about today too. Just remember that every time you want to evolve and become a better person or a better version of yourself, you have to shed some stuff behind. And one of my favorite quotes is this next one. For every level, there's another devil. Every level that you evolve to, there's a new set of challenges you've got to face. There's always, for every level, there's another devil. It's one of my favorite quotes. It always lets me know that as I grow and evolve, I want challenges. I get so many calls from people like, Donald, just, just make my problems go away. I, just want, I don't want any problems. You want problems. You just want better problems. <laughs> You know, I've had three people call in today. I got three no-shows. That's a bad problem, right? I'm not sure if I should go to Cabo or I should go to, you know, Bali for a vacation. That's a good problem. I want you to have better problems. You know, we made an 18% profit this year. I want to do some profit sharing for my team. That's a good problem to have. How do I do that? Well, let's talk about that. I've mortgaged my house for the third time. <laughs> That's a bad problem. <laughs> Again, for every level, there's another devil. Anchors versus accelerators. And you've, you've done this before. There's times when you're aligned with certain people, right? And a lot of times when you're in alignment with people, you have what's called rapport. You ever meet someone right away and you're like, you just kind of click? It's like, oh my God, they like, you know, and guys are like, oh, we're like brothers. You know, girls, we're like sisters. You know, oh my God, we get along so great. They're like, they're like a mini me. You have natural rapport. And you've also met people like, you're like, I don't like that person. You don't have rapport with them. The people you have rapport with are usually kind of wired like you. That's why like attracts like. But the thing about staying in business is that sometimes opposites are needed to balance. So sometimes those things that annoy us about some other people most commonly are the things that annoy us about ourselves. <laughs> okay. Your restaurant is a reflection of your habits. It's also a reflection of who you surround yourself with. When you're looking back, especially now, I want to focus this more, more on your team. When you're looking at your restaurant team, you have some people on your team that you know are anchors that are holding you down, holding you back. 
if you have an anchor, and just imagine, and use the anchor accelerator kind of model, like if, if I was a train, a high-speed train going 300 miles an hour, and we're flying down the track 300 miles an hour, and I threw an anchor out the back of the train, what's going to happen to the train? Right? I derail it, slow it down, do something. A lot of you have anchors around you that you need to get rid of. And again, it's not they're bad people. They're just stuck. Anchors just refuse to grow and develop. There's nothing bad about those people. It's just that you're on a different trajectory. You're an accelerator and you're moving to a different place. You want a bigger target. You want a bigger life. How many times have you been told in your life, just be happy with what you have? Why do you gotta be so crazy? Why do you gotta push so much? Why can't you just be satisfied? I used to get that a lot from my family. Why can't you just be happy, Donald? Why do you always gotta push it? Why do you always gotta build this thing up? Why do you gotta always, why can't you just be happy with what you have? We get that a lot. And again, it's not that people are bad, they're just anchors. Don't let someone who sold their dream and sold their big vision for a bigger life cast a shadow over you and make you be smaller in your life. Number one thing you can do, big visions, big goals, big dreams require a lot of risk, a lot of gut, a lot of cojones, a lot of backbone. Okay. <clears throat> The first step in this process that we do, and I do this in my team one, is we have to identify, basically I want you to imagine your life is like a train. You're a high speed train and you have your final destination. So here's what I want you to do for a second. I want you to write down what is your big, I call it bags, big audacious goal. What's your big audacious goal for your brand? And I want you to think out five, 10 years from now. Is it to have five locations, 10 locations, 20 locations, be a national chain, whatever you want to be. Or if it's, I have one restaurant, but I want you to tell me what the sales are. And you know, I'm one place, but I'm doing, you know, three million, four million, whatever it is, I want you to think big. But I want you to write down what is your destination. You're a train and you're on this high speed track and you're going 300 miles an hour, where are you going to? Because the number one thing you gotta know is where you're going. Yep. Everyone thinks, you know, and I hear this from restaurant coaches, like a lot of, a lot of coaches, like coaching is very complex. It's not that complex. You know how what coaching is? The whole model of coaching is this. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? And we close the gap. <laughs> That's all it is. Coaching is not complex. It's not rocket science. It's people science. A lot of guys out there try to make it sound like it's so complex and that you're going to be dependent on them for the rest of your life. It's like therapy. I'm not a therapist. I don't want you on my sofa for 10 years. I want you to fix your problems so you can you actually have the life you want. One of the goals I always have for all my coaching clients is I don't want you to be dependent on me for years and years and years and years. I want to teach you the people product process map, the 3P framework, so you can actually take it and own it. I want to teach you to fish. I don't want to fish for you. That looks good. <laughs> so write down where you're going. Five years, 10 years, where's the ultimate vision? Where do you see yourself going? Where do you see yourself going in three years? 
Now, some people have been to your restaurants, like Cora, we did this whole like life map. We kind of mapped out this whole process for her. How many restaurants were you going to have in like five years? Five restaurants in five years, right? Yeah, I, say, I love that. Five in five years. I love that. That's aggressive to me. I love that. I have a restaurant every year. You have 10 restaurants. You want 10 restaurants? I say 10 and 10. I want 10 restaurants in 10 years. You want to get a Michelin star? I want to have a Michelin star in two years. Put a deadline on it, too. <clears throat> it's one thing to dream big, but you got to put, you know, a time stamp on there. I used to be, I, I did some consulting for a while. I was a corporate chef on a luxury train. It's called American Orient Express. We had two trains. And we had this really cool trip. We had two trains. One was, went from Canada, went from Vancouver over to Montreal, called the Trans-Canadian. Then we had this really cool trip, the Trans-American, that went from Washington, D.C., all through the south, went to New Orleans, through Texas, through the Grand Canyon, ended up in Los Angeles. The coolest thing about it is like it was a week trip. You knew it was a seven-day trip, and you know in seven days you were going to end up in L.A. We knew the destination. We knew the time frame. Same thing for you. When you're on your train going where you want to go, I want you to put a parameter out there, but I want you to put a deadline on it too. Okay. What's your stuff? Four restaurants and four food trucks total. In how many years? I mean, five. Five years. Cool. See, I love that. That's what I want. That's why I'm here. Okay. So now we've kind of got where we're at. We kind of know where we're going. And I want you to think about some, and some of the stuff I wrote down here. My train for me is heading to be, is heading towards being the best restaurant coach I can be. And, and also I want to prioritize my relationships. I think a lot of times in my past, I put my work over my relationships. I don't want to do that again. So I decided I want to have equal priority. So one of the things I've I basically said it was a non-negotiable for me is that I take a vacation every quarter. And I know vacations, I always say mandatory, you know, we have this mandatory vaccination. I'm a big believer in mandatory, mandatory vacations. And I like my clients to take a vacation every quarter. And even if it's just a four day weekend away, I want you to take four days away. Now, if you're at the point right now where you're thinking, like, there's no way I get four days away, you want to start thinking bigger. And when we start building this vision for ourselves, where we want our restaurant, I want you to start thinking about all that stuff, too. I'm doing this and this. I'm doing a $2 million, $1 million restaurant. I'm making this kind of profit potential. I'm taking a vacation every quarter with my family. I want you to think big, right? Now, a year ago, again, you know, this was like pre-COVID, my life was very different. And I'm going to give you a little example how my life has morphed over the last year. Before COVID, my restaurant model, my business model was very much hands-on. I was out on the road three weeks out of the week, out of the, out of the month. Three weeks, I was at people's restaurants. I was only home maybe one week out of the month. Again, it's probably why I didn't have any really good solid relationships. I was traveling so much. For years, two years before COVID happened, I had been talking to a lot of my friends who were like, Donald, you know, online's really big. You should start doing more online stuff. You should start doing more online courses, online classes. You should do a mastermind group. You should do this stuff online. Make your life better. Make your life a little more 
for you. And then COVID happened and the world shut down and all my consulting, all my road trip stuff died. What was I going to do? Bullshit. You know, I've been talking for two years now about restarting up a mastermind group and I had a mastermind group back in like 2017. I stopped it because I was traveling so much and I just couldn't keep up with it because I couldn't give people the attention they needed. So I had, I actually stopped it. May 2020. You know what? I'm going to start up my mastermind group again. I got on my email list. I sent out some, some emails to people. Hey, I'm relaunching my mastermind group. Who wants in? Had like 25 people show up, shine up right away. It was great. I was back in business. Started doing more online courses, started doing more stuff, started adding buildings up. My online restaurant coach university, building that stuff up, had people signing up in the month, you know, just actually getting some of that coaching stuff. Then I came up with this really cool program. I was like, you know, I got this great material and I teach people when I'm out on the road, I was teaching this people product process roadmap, this restaurant accelerator. Why don't I digitize it and make it where it's a course. And I basically take people through it. I launched that too. My life is a whole different direction than it was two years ago. And I'm happier than I've ever been. I want that for you too. I want you to think about what's the possibility where you could be and think about some of the stuff that's holding you back. Now, when I did this exercise, I had to look at some of the anchors in my life, some of the people that were holding me back, some of the clients that were holding me back. And I had to make some hard decisions. I had to like, and I actually had to fire some clients because I had to move forward. I had to move to my new direction. When we're doing this stuff, I want you to think about that. A train heading 200 miles an hour towards family goals looks very different than one heading the same speed towards business goals. Wherever you're at is fine. If you want to focus on like, I want a little bit of both. I want to have a great business, but I also want to have a great relationship too. You know, She's great for getting out of escape rooms, though. <laughs> All right. Again, we're going to define our relationship, define our, def our destination again. <clears throat> the one thing I want you to do after we define our destination, and now we're going to define our train speed. And we're going to use this model here. And you're going to basically, and this is where your train speed is right now. It's not where you want to be eventually. But what's your train speed right now? And we use basically, we use a zero to 300 scale and you can only check one. So be honest where you're at. Zero miles per hour start to bottom work our way up. You don't know where you wanna go. You don't know what you wanna do. The thought of even trying to get organized or aligned with other people and make big goals makes you wanna shit your pants. <laughs> Damn, I told you this was adult learning. That's zero. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know how I'm going to get there. Oh my God, this is the thought of even, oh, Donald, it's just too much. 100 miles an hour. You know where you want to go, but your life is not currently organized or prioritized for success. You're not associated with people that help you level up and you don't know those people that, you know, you don't even know who those people could be. You're actively still allowing self-sabotage to bite you in the ass. Anybody ever been a victim of self-sabotage? I've done this so many times in my life. Yeah. And a lot of that self-sabotage is again, that little whiner in your head, 
those I am, like you are, don't deserve this, you don't deserve that person, you don't deserve this, you're, st- you know, what are you doing, you know? Self-sabotage will bite you in the ass all the time. 200 miles an hour, you know where you wanna go, and you're currently in the process of some of these associations, you're resolving your bad habits and trying to stop the mental chatter that leads you to self-sabotage. That's 200 miles an hour. 300 miles an hour, you're incredibly organized and aligned with the right people and the associations to get there, your bad habits are resolved, your mind is clear and you're ready to rock. Pick which one you are. You're either zero, 100, 200, or 300. How many people are at zero miles per hour? Shane, put your hand down. (laughs) Anybody at 100 miles an hour? Got one. Anybody at 200 miles an hour? I would say most people here are at 200. Who's at 300? Ooh, nice. So if you notice on here, one of the things that I think is very powerful is associations. The people we associate with, our inner circle, our tribe. What would you say is the most powerful thing about the Restaurant Mastermind Group? Networking, right? Encouraging, helping each other positive people that are actually on that same fast train going in the same thing. Even though their, their train might be going in a different direction, but they're all high achievers that want more from their life. One of the best things you can do is associate with people that are like you, that want to win. And also too, what's the number one thing I always think most restaurant owners always hit to me? Donald, you understand my problems are unique. No, they're not. <laughs> all business problems are people problems. Your problems aren't unique, trust me. I've seen thousands of problems. I've never seen anything really curveball yet. And if it is a curveball, I know I can at least see the pitch coming. I know how to adjust. And so many restaurant owners think they got, they're all alone. I have to do this, I have to suffer. I call it being the martyr. I have to do this alone, no one can help me. I I have to save my brand by myself. No, don't be the martyr. Network with people. Now, we, we have a group chat going. If you're not in the group chat with me, let me know. And uh, when we take a little break, make sure, uh, just write down your name and phone number for me, your full name and phone number, and I'll make sure to add you to the group chat. The group chat's great because everyone like talks to each other, we encourage each other, we use an app called GroupMe. All my groups, all my restaurant coaching groups have a, a different group. So there's one right now for the Summit, there's one for Masterminds, there's one for the Accelerator. Right. The only one doesn't have one is the team one because they're all kind of private. They don't want to know each other. <laughs> so they don't talk to each other. All right. So everyone's defined their destination. Everyone's defined their train speed, correct? Okay. <clears throat> How many times have you had conflict at your restaurant? Anybody ever had conflict? Anybody have conflict recently? Conflict? No, never. I never have. I never have, you skip this slide. Doesn't reply to me, Donald, I never have conflict. In fact, I think I've seen some of you have this look right here. Like, oh my God. Is that you? Oh my God. How many people have ever looked up to the heavens and asked for help? A lightning bolt right now. I've had owners, (laughs) I've owners like, I just need some gasoline and a match. All I need. And then they realize that their, their building's made out of metal and they can't burn it down. Right, Cora? 
<laughs> Cora's like, please. Downside about being on the mastermind group is when you vent that kind of stuff, now we're all basically, now we are, well, no. So now we, we're going to get insurance. Yeah, now we're, gonna, we're all going to get pulled in. All right. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to identify one person to start with. Your homework is you're going to do this for five people. Remember I said those five people that you associate with, the first, one, the first one we did? And it could be some people that in your family, it could be some of your friends, it could be some people on your team. Pick one of those people from that list that you wrote down first. Pick one person from that list. Maybe it's like, I'm, a, I'm just for example, I'm gonna say, let's say it's a GM. Let's say it's your GM, right? You got a GM, okay? You're going to say your destination is, and then your train speed. Remember your train speed from before? Most people were at 200, a couple 300s. So your destination is, I'm going, you know, like Stephanie's. I'm, I've got four restaurants, four food trucks in five years. Doing what, 10 million? $10 million. Boom. That's her destination. So at the top, you're going to write, my destination is, and then her train speed. What's your train speed? 200 miles an hour, right. Now, the person won, and here's the thing, you're not gonna really get a chance to talk to these people. This is a really good insight if you're in touch with what are their goals and dreams. That means you probably should have talked to them a little bit. Now, if I'm in touch with people on my team and I know what their goals are, where their destination is, maybe I got someone who's a GM and I know that they're just doing this part-time and maybe they're a young person and they want to go to school. Maybe their, their goal is to get a degree in like, you know, engineering or something like that. Their goal is to be so much different than I, mine is. <clears throat> like Cora, Jen, what's, your, what's she going to school for? Uh, HR. HR, right. So maybe I, like, Cora has, I'm going to use you for an example, sorry, Cora. She has a general manager who is going to school part-time to get her degree. So. She would write down, you know, her person's destination is she wants to get a degree. Now, what happens when that person gets a degree? They're going to stay at your restaurant? Or they want to go into their career <laughs> that they went, spent all that money on in school, right? They're going to eventually go and do something else, right? And what's their train speed? Remember, 0, 100, 200, or 300. Pick one for them. Okay. Yes? So, like, in that scenario, I have this problem. So let's say Cora's HR person. That's their destination. They're mm -hmm. moving at 300 miles an hour to get there. Mm -hmm. My destination is, what did you say, five restaurants in six years? Yeah, five if restaurants. I'm a big team. I'm going to need an HR person. Do I invest in this person and in their career and make them my HR person? You could. That could be a way to move, to move them together so you're on the same track. That's kind of what we talked about. Yeah. It's interesting. The thing about this exercise is I want you to be okay with people moving on. A lot of times, and I hate to say this, I've done it too. We try to think we know the best and just think about your parents. You know, your parents know what's best for you and they help you make decisions. It's in your blood. I want a transfusion. I don't want to do this shit, you know, and then I end up being a chef anyway. <laughs> but you know, we always think we know what's best. How many times have you promoted someone because you thought they wanted to be promoted and then they got in the job and then they sucked at it because they did not really want it. 
No one's going to turn down a promotion. No one's going to really turn down more money. But their heart wasn't into it. The worst thing you can do is think you know best for what people want. And this is also a great exercise to do with, you know, destination. If I have a young, you know, GM, a female, and she really is, she wants to have a family. She wants to be a stay-at-home mom and have three or four kids. That's her, I know that's her goal. Would I be holding her back from reaching her destination if I think I want to keep her at my restaurant as a GM? Working 50, 60 hours? There's going to be some conflict there. You always want to be in alignment. The best thing you can do is make sure that your train and their train is on the same track. That's what this is all about. Make sure that we're all in the same alignment. And there's the thing. If I can help someone, like Omar talks about this a lot. I got someone who wants to base, and maybe he's like, I got a guy who works for me. He came to me because he wants to work with a you know, James Beard nominated chef. He wants to learn, he wants to develop his skills, he wants to develop his reputation, but his goal is maybe to have his own restaurant, all right? Having your own restaurants, that's a pretty good track, right? Now, Omar's on his own track to have his own restaurant. Does that mean that Omar maybe one day could not invest and become a partner with him? It could be, you know? Think of ways you can work in alignment with people. This isn't an exercise about, well, shit, Donald, you know, their train's going a different direction. Like, fuck them, get off. <laughs> get them off the train right now. I'm booting them off the train. Train's going 200 miles an hour, kick them off the side. No, no, it's not about that. How can we work in alignment, okay? I want you to do this, and this would be like your homework. I want you to do this for those five people you talked about, right? Decide where you are now, decide your destination, your train speed, and then, again, you're not going to really be able to talk to them right now, maybe. And it, maybe if they are here working with you, maybe you guys sit down and have lunch and say, hey, you know, we never really talked about this. You know, where's, where's your train going? You know, do you really want to do this for the next five years? I mean, what's your goal? What's your train? How can I help you get there? You're going to find that you can get, and this is probably my number one favorite quote, my favorite quote in the world. In fact, I built all of my brands around this quote. It's from Zig Ziglar. It's my favorite quote in the world. It's up in my office. I read it every day. You can have everything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want. I believe that heart and soul. With everything I am, I believe that. You can have everything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. When I help enough restaurants get the restaurant in life they desire, I'll get everything I want in life. When you help enough guests find that place they can come to and they can call home and they can have the great experience, have the great food, have the consistency, have a really, really great time, escape their reality for a few hours at your place, then you're gonna get everything you want. If they come in and it's like it's constant drama and the service is horrible and the food's like super priced for the quality they get, you're not going to, you know, if you're out for yourself and I'm just going to gouge people and I'm going to raise my prices because I can, you're not going to get what you want, trust me. If you always approach everything from this hospitality spirit, and we talk about hospitality spirit, Hospitality, if you look at the Latin word hospitality, comes from hospice, which means to host. And when you're actually acting in the essence of hospitality, you're actually acting as the ultimate host. 
So you're going to do this exercise for five people. Same thing. If you want to take a picture of this real quick, go ahead. I'll stand back out of the way. Remember, your destination, your train speed, their destination, their train speed. And you give them one category. They're 0, 100, 200, 300. 0 to 100, they tend to be anchors, just so you know. If someone's on your team and they're a zero, especially a zero, they're definitely an anchor. I mean, that's a solid anchor. They are holding you back. <clears throat> you really have to sit down and talk about what's holding you back from moving forward then. And I'm telling you, sometimes it's people that we associate with. Right. <clears throat> now what I want you to do is I want you to get it on your paper, just write, just draw a line down the middle and write on one side my accelerators and then write my anchors. On the left side, write who on your life is your accelerators? Who is like at the same speed or close to you? That's 200 to 300 miles an hour. Who in your life are your anchors? That's zero to 100 miles an hour. Remember, accelerators amplify the qualities in you. They amplify the good. They amplify your desires. They amplify your dreams. They amplify your ambition. They amplify all the positive emotions. Anchors bring out frustrations. They bring out conflict. Look back when we talked about those five common conflicts you have. When you look at those conflicts you have, like let's say stress, when I look at that conflict I have or that topic around a conflict, there's usually people associated with that. Certain same people. <laughs> when I look at those emotions I regularly feel on a weekly basis, there's people associated with those emotions. Everything in your life is a trigger. If you just sat in, because I'll, I'll give you a great example. If you sat in this room by yourself, no sound, no people, you would just be you. It's usually when we have interaction with other people, then we get triggered. And we get triggered, either positive, or we, sometimes we get triggered in, in a reactive way. We're going to work on these things that are helping us move forward. Okay? Remember, an accelerator. If the person is heading in the same or complementary direction, you're going on the same speed or faster than you, they're an accelerator. An anchor is someone going in an opposite or conflicting direction, and they're going slower than you by at least 100 miles an hour. Like I said, if somebody's at zero, they're definitely an anchor. <clears throat> if you're at 200 or 300, and you got a couple people in your life that are zeros, <laughs> what's the common saying? We, when, I, when I see someone who's a zero, what's the common saying? We say, it's a hot mess. That's a hot mess, yeah. You probably got some people on your team that are a hot mess. The people always have some drama, always call in, getting beat up, end up in jail, <clears throat> can't make it on time, always have some kind of drama going on. Those are anchors in your life. All right, let's talk about rules. I'm going to have you go back in time a little bit. During your childhood, we had a lot of stimuli. Okay?
Here's the thing I want you to write down, hashtag write it down. Whatever we experience with high frequency or repetition becomes a rule that our brain attempts to carry forward into the future. There are some certain things that happened in your life when you were a child that triggered some things. And what happened was, is you had a reaction, and then when you had the reaction, you formed what's known as psychology calls an adaptive behavior. And this adaptive behavior has kind of become your kind of rule for life, right? If I had a rule in my head, let's say I was a kid and, you know, I was playing in the play yard and I had a basketball and there were some Martians there and the Martians stole my basketball and I would have this rule that, you know, Martians steal basketballs and they're not to be trusted. And then I became an adult and I'm in a room and I got my laptop on the table and I see a Martian sitting behind it. What's my rule going to be? That, guy's, that Martian's going to steal my laptop because they stole my basketball when I was a kid. Now, you're not putting those things together, but you have these associations and rules that you've created in your head a long time ago. What we want to do is we want to break these things down, okay? <clears throat> Here's a rule, a common one. You know, if I don't serve as the peacekeeper, someone's going to end up dead around here. You know, if I don't, it, how, how about this one for restaurant owners? If I don't do it, no one else is going to do it. If I, you know, no one else cares. No one else cares as much as I do. If I don't do it, no one else is going to care. No one's going to give a shit. How many people said that? <laughs> if I don't do it, no one's going to give a shit. No one's going to care. Shit. You know? What it actually boils down to is you have this kind of pattern, you know? If I don't serve as a peacekeeper, basically this goes to a childhood thing, it, you know, and this is one I had. I'll always be abandoned. I can't trust anyone except myself. I have to hold it all together because no one else is trustworthy. Keep me safe. When I realized my first restaurant, I had to do everything myself. It was basically I had a fear of abandonment. That was stemmed from a long, long time ago when I was a kid. I didn't recognize it. I didn't realize it. When I went through some therapy, I actually came to the conclusion. And that's why I have to hold it all together. I have to always stay calm and cool. I always have to make sure I take care of everything because I can only trust myself. It held me back. It's flawed logic. Remember I talk about that Windows XP? It's like you have in your youth, when you were like one to like 10, you had a bunch of little things happen to you that basically started this little programming in your head. And you've held on to that stuff for years. It's just basically time that we erase that disk and we basically form some new programming. Okay. What rules did you learn as a child to either A, survive, to cope, or to please people around, to please people around you? <clears throat> I want you to write down some rules you learned as a child. You know, if, all right, here's one of mine. This is one of those brutal honesty things. My father was not a very affectionate man. If I'm a good boy, I get love. If I'm bad, I don't get love. He takes love away. That was one of my rules I had as a kid. Is it true? No. Because love should be unconditional. It shouldn't be if then. A lot of times you have this if then. If I do this, if I act like this, then I get this. What are some rules you had as a child that you learned to survive? If I'm a quiet, no one will notice me. 
I won't get picked on. What are some rules you have as a kid? This is where we're getting a little deep here. We're going to get into a little emotional trauma here. It's okay. We're all safe. One of my other ones was when I was a kid, as I was really heavy as a kid, I was what, you know, I guess they call me chunky. <laughs> I was a chunky kid. But my thing was, if I make people laugh, I'll be accepted. If I was the, you know, that was the class clown, I would be accepted. That's another one I had. <clears throat> what are some rules you learned as a child to survive? It could be you could be acting, you could be pretending, you know, you could be in denial, you could be just shutting yourself down. What are some things you've done based on some rules you learned? You know, if I keep my mouth shut, it's usually an if. If I do this, then I will. It's usually an if then behavior. Next up. Then we look for exemptions to the rule in our doubt, and we validate our commitment to the faulty belief in rule. Here's an example. If your source belief is, I will always be rejected, your brain lightly takes a back, it always takes you down memory lane and plays all the time. So remember when so-and-so did that? Remember when so-and-so rejected you? Remember when this happened, that happened? Remember, if does not equal now. If then happened, and a lot of things happened in your past, does not mean it's gonna happen in the future. We draw these, you know, faulty belief systems. <clears throat> okay. And then this question right in the middle, what is the rule your brain tries to trick you into the most? Here are a few examples of how your brain might voice or language its belief. You know, I'm not lovable. I can't trust myself. I can't trust other people. I always get in trouble. I always do this. I always wreck it. What are some things you say to yourself? This is, again, this is that self-sabotaging behavior. People always blame me. Can't trust anybody. What's a rule that your brain has you tricked into believing? Get real with this. Dig down. I want you to dig down to your soul. <laughs> now, here's the thing. When you start saying to yourself, you know, I can't trust anybody. Let's use that one for example. I can't trust anybody on my team. I can't trust people. I don't trust people. I can't trust people. What I want you to do is you always like, I want you to say, if this went to court, could you prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt? Isn't that what we say when in court? You have to prove something without, without reasonable, beyond a reasonable doubt. You have to prove 100%. It's 100% factual. So when you start saying these things like, I can't trust people, I want you to start giving yourself, is there real proof to that? I can't trust people. That's kind of a general Blakin statement. Well, you know, that's not true because, you know, there was a couple times I did this and this. I had, you know, I had Joey take care of this in the kitchen. He, you know, he showed me I trust him. What are some things you do? Like, here's, a, here's an example at the bottom. 
<laughs> source belief, man, my restaurant sucks. <clears throat> Evidence, well, you know, actually your team does admire you and says positive things about you. You know, you get great reviews. You have VIP guests that keep coming back. If your restaurant really sucked, trust me, no one would come back to your restaurant. But if you're still open and you've seen the same people in your restaurant, you must be doing something right. What's some evidence? Always take it to the court. I always say you, wanna, <laughs> you always want to take it up in front of Judge Judy. What would Judge Judy do? No, no. And this goes to what we call is, we talk about beliefs, we talk about rules. It really goes into what we call is the success cycle. The success cycle is something I got from Tony Robbins. I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan, by the way. I'm a self-proclaimed Tony Robbins fan. Potential. What is the potential of any human being? Unlimited, unlimited right? Did everybody agree? Who thinks that? Every human being has unlimited potential. Yes, yes, 100% agreement? No, Cora? Raise your hand. <laughs> All right, so if everyone has unlimited potential, why does not everyone get the same results? It's because the other two things in here. And it all starts with beliefs. Your beliefs, these rules you have in your head, this program you have, stops you from taking potential. If you say, I can't do this, I'm not good enough, I can't, I won't, I'm not able, I can't capable, people are, all these outdated beliefs we have stop us from realizing our potential. Because then when we have potential, if we don't realize our potential, if we don't have 100% belief in our potential, and everyone said here, human beings are unlimited, then we don't take the required action. We do it halfway, or half-ass as I call it, you know. I'll try it. I hate the word try. I hate that. I usually, I usually tell people this. When people say try, I'll go, uh, try to pick up the Sharpie. You either pick up the Sharpie or you don't pick up the damn Sharpie. There's no try. Anytime someone on your, here's the best thing to do, hashtag right there. Next time anybody on your team says, I'll try, you say, hey, do me a favor. <clears throat> Next time on payday, try to pick up your paycheck. They always pick up their paycheck, right? They never miss payday. Never. <clears throat> so anytime somebody says try, I say, oh yeah, well next payday, try to pick up your paycheck. <laughs> They're like, what? You do it. You do or do not. I'll quote, quote Yoda here, do or do not, there is no try. The wise Yoda. When you don't take enough action, of course, you're going to get crappy results. And then what happens is the crappy results feed back into your beliefs. It's a self-fulfilling cycle. We call it, you know, that's why it's called a success cycle. This is one of those reasons why, you know, they, and you hear the saying the rich get richer and the poor get poor. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about just success in general. People that have a great belief system, they believe they have great potential. So they take a lot of action. They take massive action. They get great results. That feeds in their beliefs. Wow, it works. It's awesome. It's amazing. I believe it. And it goes the opposite way. If I don't really have a lot of belief in myself or I have a lot of self-doubt, I'm not going to believe in my potentials in. So I'm going to try a little bit. I'm going to take some half-ass action. I'm going to get crappy results. And then I'm going to say, see, told you. How many people have ever told you in your life? See, told you it wouldn't work. 
How many times have you said it to yourself? See, told you. This also bleeds into the same thing. This success cycle is another huge thing I teach in all my clients. It's called Batari's Box. Batari's Box is another huge thing. Batari's Box is this. My attitude impacts my behavior, which impacts my team's attitude, which impacts their behavior. This also goes into another level. <clears throat> and I'll tell you this. My attitude impacts my behavior. I'm having a crappy morning. I get to the restaurant. I'm in a bad mood. What kind of attitude am I going to have? What kind of behavior am I going to have? I'm going to be snippy. I'm going to be kind of short with people. That's going to impact my team's attitude, which is going to impact their behavior. Now take it to the next level. Now their behavior is going to impact your guest attitude, which impacts your guest behavior. If they have a bad experience, they're not going to come back. When they don't come back or they write a negative review, it impacts your attitude. This is another self-fulfilling prophecy and cycle that you've got to get off the train. And how does it stop? With you. Your attitude. The things you can do in the morning, and, that's, and you should have a copy of my booklet, Outstanding Mindset. It's also available on Audible. The things you can do in the morning to make sure that you are set up for success, that your attitude is 100%, is the most powerful thing you can do as an owner. Taking time each morning for self-care is not selfish. I preach self-care all the time. We talk about every week on all my clients, I say, what's your, we have this 515 report, I always say, what's your big three? I also say, tell me the three things you're gonna do for self-care this week. Last night, I got home, Went to the escape room. We got there at what, 6.30? Yeah, 6.37, right? Yeah, 6.37. Yeah, I dropped my girlfriend off. I went home. I, finally, you know, I, looked, I went through my slide deck one last time. That's what I do. I went to bed at 10 o'clock. I got up at 4.15 because I had class at 5 o'clock at Orange Theory to work out. Could I have easily blown that off? Yes. Would I do it? Why? I'm committed to having my attitude be the best for you. I always schedule the first meeting of the day with myself for myself. Now I have people all the time. And here's the thing, when you schedule stuff on your calendar and you wanna start getting control of your calendar, I'm looking at you, Matt. I'm looking right at you, brother. When you get control of your calendar, everything goes on your calendar. The most successful people in the world do not have a to-do list. To-do list is just a bunch of shit you're never going to get done. I'm telling you right now. A calendar tells me of stuff I have scheduled to take care of. And I schedule my day. Every block of my time on my day is usually scheduled with something. If a lot of these people are on calls, they don't know. I'm, I'm going from one call to another, to another, to another. I keep my calendar all tight. Hashtag write this down. White space on your calendar is the devil. <laughs> White space on your calendar is the devil. You should have your days full. And that first meeting of the day should be with yourself for yourself. And I don't care if it's you go for a walk. I don't care if you just basically read. I don't care if you meditate. I'm a big believer in meditation. Do breathing apps, but you want to do something for yourself to make sure that you are in the best attitude that you can be in. I'm telling you right now, if people would just take a little bit better care of themselves, you would have a whole different team. So 
much time it takes to do a task. Mm -hmm. So you put 30 minute block in my calendar, I'm gonna make the pizza dough. Mm -hmm. Well, that actually took me an hour and a half to make the pizza dough. <coughs> now two time blocks just got missed, but one of them was important, so I gotta do that. And it just constantly just starts pushing out time blocks and before you know it, you've missed something super important and you're frantic and and then you just start ignoring your calendar altogether. Right. Well, so it. then, so then if, I, if I first time I schedule it and I don't schedule enough time, learning lesson, now I know I need to schedule 90 minutes for dough. But then I would also ask myself, why did I, get why did I not reach my time goal? What were the distractions that hit me? Was I getting bothered by people? Was I getting text messages? Was I getting phone calls? Was I getting distracted? When I talk about, and I talk about this in the Outstanding Mindset, I talk about focus blocks. Focus blocks are where it's 30 minutes total, no distractions. I turn my phone to do not disturb. I silence all alarms. I silence all notifications. And I tell everyone I'm in a, I'm in a meeting, basically is how I say it. I'm in a very, very high level, important meeting. I can't be disturbed. I turn my phone on do not disturb. I do not answer calls. In fact, I take my phone, I turn it upside down and I move it away from myself because I'm just like everyone else. When that little thing blips and beeps, oh my God, what's that? Oh shit. And I go down the rabbit hole like everybody else. Eliminate distraction. Number one thing that kills you is distractions. When you tell your team, I'm focused on doing this for the next 30 minutes, I'd be more than happy to answer any questions you have, but I need to focus on this. I need an hour. Whatever you want to tell them, tell them. Guard your time. Psychology, we call this healthy boundaries. Drawing a line in the sand, telling people where it's at is very, very critical to your mental health. Telling people, yeah. But like, you know, like Omar said, hey, I put this on my calendar. I didn't manage it right. You know what? Learning lesson, <clears throat> readjust, compensate, and make sure I'm scheduling the blocks adequately. It's always learning. Not everything fits nice and tiny into a 30-minute block. You know, I like to do like 30-minute blocks because I know if I just focus 100% on 30 minutes, I can get a lot done. I can write, usually I do a lot of my writing in the morning and I'll do a focus block. I can write almost 1,000 words in 30 minutes. That's a lot of words. I'll give you a little hint too. I don't type. I use Dragon Naturally Speaking and I talk because I can talk fast. But I can usually, in a 30-minute block with Dragon Naturally Speaking, I can usually get a nice, nice a couple, a couple good pages out. And I don't edit it right then. I just talk, and then I go back and edit later. Okay. Sometimes you want to do that. But the biggest thing you can do every day is set yourself up for success like this. Your attitude impacts your behavior. Your behavior impacts your team's attitude, impacts their behavior, impacts the guest attitude, impacts their behavior, which again comes back and impacts your attitude and your behavior. It's a, it's a, it's a never-ending cycle. <clears throat> and the only way to stop it is to stop with that first person at the top. That's you. Hashtag write this down. I say it all the time. Culture flows down. It doesn't flow up. Culture starts and stops with you. You are the source of energy in your restaurant. And I have a really, really great workshop for you tomorrow. On the, on the agenda, it said, uh, I think it said, The Art of War for Restaurants by Sun Tzu. I changed it. I have a really good one for you now. It's all about the missing ingredient to restaurant success. All right. 
source belief time. This is a good exercise to go through at your own leisure, okay? You're gonna have some kind of basically repetitive pain or suffering, something that basically starts, something triggered or an event happened and then you're, you've created a rule for it, right? Kids made fun of me, right? Then I had a thing, well, if I'm funny, uh, they won't laugh at me for the way I look, okay? And then as a child, you learn to adapt your behavior. You know, what did you learn to do? I learned to be the funny kid in school. I learned to be the class clown. Some people compensate or make adaptive behavior by like being this, the smart person, the smart kid in school, right? Some people are just known to be, you know, I just, I just decided I was gonna work harder. Some people are known for being athletes. You had some kind of adaptive behavior in your life. And then you had this basically, you actually had this adaptive rule. Okay? And it usually starts when you're young. Most of the time it happens between 5 and 11. You have some of these outdated rules. And I'd be more than happy to talk to you guys individually if you really want to get some deep work into this stuff, okay? We can talk about this stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. It works, right? It's real, real. Actually, and <laughs> sorry. I actually did a lot of this work when I had marriage counseling too when I was married. Now, granted, I ended up getting divorced, but, but it works. You find out a lot of stuff that is in your past, in your childhood, that's holding you down. We talk about anchors and accelerators. You have a lot of these self-fulfilling rules that you've placed on yourself, these kind of limitations you have. It's time to rewrite the script. It's time to rewrite this programming and come up with some better stuff. So like here's, I'll give you like here's an example of one. Uh, the, origin, the origin self-belief activated, I can't trust people, all right? And how is it triggered? You know, people feel like you know, I'm, I could be selfish. People think like I'm cutting them out. I'm hiding something. Um, you know, my body language says something. So people says, you know, he doesn't trust me, doesn't do that, all right? I react with behavior. Okay, people feel unimportant or rejected. They don't know what I'm doing or why. They sense tension, but they don't know what it's about. So can people read body language? People know when you're upset? How many people think that they can hide when they're upset 100% of the time? If you do, you're lying to yourself. Three numbers you want to remember. Hashtag write this down. 73855. 7% of how we communicate is the word we choose. 38% is the tone I use. And tone also is rate of motion, or, you know, rate of speech, tone, timbre, all that stuff is also what we consider tonality. But 55% of how we communicate is nonverbal. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. You can be so pissed off, and when you show up at your restaurant and you walk in that restaurant, and you can be out in your car sitting there looking in the mirror going, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. And then you walk in your restaurant, they know something's wrong. 
because your body language gives it away. FBI negotiators, FBI and people who interrogate like, you know, high level criminals, they are experts at reading body language. There's tons of great books out there about body language. I highly recommend. In fact, I think there's a course, a free course on LinkedIn. If you remember LinkedIn, they have a really great LinkedIn, like has a university that you can actually get free classes to. They have a body language one, it's really good. Learn to understand body language. Learn to understand your body language. Learn to understand other people's body language. The more you're in tune to people around you, you're going to be also be able to recognize if they're anchors or accelerators too. But learn how to manage yours. Okay. So again, we have this kind of, I can't trust people. <clears throat> All right. Then I start acting a certain way. My belief, my activated belief is I have to hold all together. I have to, you know, I have to be strong. I have to do everything. No, it's a bunch of bullshit. You don't have to. Learn to let stuff go. There's an example here, too. You can use it as, an, as kind of like your map. Jump too far ahead. Closing questions for today. All right. Question number one, what source belief is primary blocking you from achieving your goals? What is the number one kind of saying you have, source belief? I have to do it all myself, I can't trust people. What's the number one source belief you have? What's the number one source belief you have that's stopping you or blocking you from achieving your goals? Number two, and this is very critical, and you don't have to like act on today, but I want you to be aware of it. <clears throat> what anchors <laughs> need to be removed from your family, friends, team? What anchors? Number three, what accelerators need to be added to your family, friends, or team? One of the great accelerators I would recommend is networking with everyone in this room. <clears throat> reaching out to people, get to know each other. Most powerful thing, I think, in the mastermind group and also stuff like this is the power of network, just reaching out to people. Do you find a huge value in it? Yeah. If you have a question, they're there. Beautiful thing about the, the groups that we have is that everyone wants to help each other. Everyone wants to see everyone else succeed. It's a beautiful thing. It's really great. Somebody puts in a question like, hey, what are you using for loyalty programs? Hey, what are you using for POS? I know George put it in, hey, what do you think about this POS system? People chime in and they give their opinion. Take it for what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a way to look at things a different view. That's the best thing in the world you can do. So many times we're looking at life with our own pair of glasses. I have a certain prescription. If I gave my glasses to Ryan and said, Ryan, read the screen, he'd be like, right. When I put them on, I see perfectly. The problem is a lot of times you're looking at your restaurant through your lenses. So much better if you can look at, look at, your, look at your restaurant through the lens of someone else. That's why working with someone, like working with a coach, having someone come to your restaurant, having look at, Shane's had me come to his restaurants. Shane, how valuable is it for me to come to your restaurant? Yeah, a lot of stuff I can't do on a video call. 
And a lot of times I like to come because I can understand your operation a little bit better too. And I also get to meet the team. I get to see the anchors and the accelerators in person. How many people fire? <laughs> fired a few. Fair warning, if I come to your restaurant, I tell you right now, I have carte blanche to fire anybody. <laughs> your team won't like that. They get nervous when I come. That's okay. They should be nervous. Number four, what are most likely situations, people, or thoughts that will attempt to stop you? You either have, you always have one or two people that are kind of like that negative Nelly, or it's something in your head that's going to stop you. Another thing I want you to do is be conscientious of sometimes that little voice in your head is a person in your life. When I used to have that voice in my head, I, always, I would always hear my father. I would hear my father's voice. You know, when it was like, you're not good enough, you're not going to make it, you suck, you know. I think my father told me one time I'd be a great garbage collector. And then the fifth one, how do you rationalize or justify the decisions, behaviors, or people that you know block you from your goals? How do you rationalize? And I'm going to tell you right now, we can rationalize the shit out of anything. We're huge, we can rationalize anything. Your brain is a servo mechanism. It is a problem-solving machine. It will tell you exactly why. <clears throat> Psychologists call it confabulation. Confabulation is that your brain will make up a story and the reason why it happens. Well, you know, I had to do it because of this and this and this. You can rationalize the shit out of anything. One of the things you hear me say a lot is that it's just a story you're telling yourself. Right? Just a story you're telling yourself. Divorce a story, head for the truth. Remember we talked about that court of law all the time? When you're telling me a story, you're giving me circumstantial evidence. You're just giving me a story. I'm going to say divorce a story, head for the truth. Take it to court and see if it would stand up in a court of law. Most of the time it won't. Everyone got these ones written down? Yes? Because that's your excitement, your ex exercise for today. Answer the closing questions. Who's holding you back? Most of the time you'll find it's you. <laughs> All right, I'm, done. I'm gonna open up for Q&A. Anybody have any questions? <clears throat> you guys are all quiet. Do you guys need more coffee? Omar. I know, I come up with all these weird questions. Uh, we like to wear questions, man. I have someone on my team who, um, <clears throat> they want to be there. They're not necessarily, their, their train is moving, but. <laughs> <laughs> moving? Like, is it like five? They're dedicated, however, they self-sabotage themselves so much that they're like having panic attacks after you drop a class. Like, oh crap, I fucked this up. Now I'm like in their head, that's mm -hmm. what they're going through, right? And so it's like, a part of you is like, all right, I need to get rid of this, like I can't right. deal with these breakdowns three or four times a day. But the other, the other piece of that is, I also don't want to give up on someone who is really dedicated, like they're, 
it, it's not like they they don't have a destination and they mm -hmm. don't have speed. They just are in their own way. So a lot of things you're learning today are things, and this is what I take to all my clients. Whatever I coach you on is the exact same stuff you want to coach your team on. So someone's having anxiety. Oh my God, I broke a glass. They have a lot of negative self-talk going on in their head, mm -hmm. right? I would sit down with them and say, hey, listen, you break a glass, it's not the end of the world. You know? So again, go ahead, Kim. There's your trauma right there. I have to succeed. It's not trauma. You've used it as a driver. Diffuse it and find out what the, what the underlying, again, there's always some kind of story they're telling themselves. I broke the glass. I'm an idiot. I'm stupid. I'm a failure. Exactly. So again, so I had, a, this is a, always again, a lot of times when, remember, I said body language is huge. Reading body language is really, really key. You can notice, like, if somebody breaks a glass, their body language is going to shift. Like, they're going to have, like, this shame. We're going to talk about some of this stuff. We're going to talk about energy levels. I'm going to talk about different levels of energy. And you're going to see that some people have certain energy levels they go to all the time. Shame, disgust, embarrassment are lower levels of energy. And when you see their body language, they automatically start shutting down. Their body's like this. Like if I, if I said right now, what's the body language of someone who's very confident? Standing up, heads up, shoulders are back, chest is out. What's someone who's like, you know, I mean, just body language alone. You can tell right now, you know, if I was up here like this, okay, everybody, um, we're going to have a uh, summit today. You know, you'd be like, <laughs> same thing. Someone in your team is traumatized or someone has something, they're going to have a body reaction. When you see that, say, whoa, 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 what's going on with you? What do you mean? You broke, remember, hashtag write this down. This is one of my, another one of my favorite quotes. I taught this to my kids when they were in their teens, and I told them, if you understand this quote, it will change your life. Nothing is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. It's from Shakespeare. Nothing is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. A glass is broken. It's an event. There is an associated thought to that. I broke the glass. I'm an idiot. I'm a failure. I'm stupid. No. Again, if we took that to court, would that be true? No, you broke a damn glass. No big deal. Now, you break a glass every hour on the hour all day. Okay. You might be just clumsy. <laughs> You're not stupid, but you might be, you know, maybe we should move you away from the glassware. Maybe you should be more with the uh, rubber spatulas. <laughs> Again, nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so. I, one time I told a kid, 
this is why I had my second restaurant, and we had huge walk-ins. And I told the kid, to, hey, could you do me a favor real quick and sweep the walk-in? He went and sweeped the walk-in. And I always inspect what I expect. I walked in there, and I always looked down underneath. And, you know, and a lot of times, you know, especially in a produce walk-in, lemons, limes sometimes fall back behind, fall on the ground. They start getting a little moldy because no one's really got underneath there. And I said, hey, hey do me a favor. When you sweep the walk-in, make sure to get underneath the equipment because, you know, back underneath the racks because stuff gets back there and it'll spoil. And right away, his body language shut down like this. I'm like, whoa, 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 what did you hear me say? You said I suck at sweeping the walk-in. I did not say that. I said just pay attention to the details when you get underneath because we have stuff happens. I've done it too. When I first started learning to sweep the walk-in, I missed that stuff too. Someone pointed out to me and I was aware. And then I just gave him a lesson. Awareness precedes choice, choice precedes change. You're not stupid. You don't know how, you know, it's not that you don't know how to sweep the walk-in. You just haven't been taught how to sweep the walk-in to my standards. Now that we're on the same page, there's no problem. He sat back up. Okay, okay. All right, let's do it again. All right, perfect. And he, every time he swept the walk-in now, and then he actually would come up to me. Hey, chef, chef, chef. Hey, you want to ch check the walk-in? I got underneath, I got in the quarters. I found this, you know, I found this thing in the corner. I got it, don't worry. I'm like, all right, let's go check it out. And then I went and inspect what I expect, and I gave him praise. Hey, nice job. Looks really, really great. I'm really proud of you. Those little bitty things, those little bitty moments where I appreciate and teach build their confidence. When I build their confidence, then I have a team that will follow me. All right? That's what you want to do. We talk about this all the time in, in, our, in our coaching stuff. I talk about, I call it the Daily Five Sermon. The Daily Five Sermon is the five things you should talk about every day to your team. You should talk about your mission, your core values, your vision, your standards and expectations, exactly how you want it done. And you're always calm about it. No, that's not the way we do it. We do it like this. And then I'm always giving words of appreciation, words of gratitude. Hey, nice job. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Two most powerful words in the world. Thank you. The five, mission, core values, vision, my standards and expectations. It's like if I see him doing something not the way the standard is, I always just, just correct him. No, it's not the way we do it. We do it like this. Make sure you use the recipe cards. I'm always calm about it. I'm never like emotional about it. I'm always. And then fifth one is always affirmations or positive reinforcement. I can walk in any restaurant in the world and I can pick out something that's bad. <clears throat> it doesn't matter how great the restaurant is. But I also walk in any restaurant in the world and pick out something that's good. Look for the good. We tend to be, human beings in general are what we call negativity bias. We tend to look for the negative. If you can look for the negative, you can actually look for the good. Words of appreciation are huge. Have you guys noticed it? Change in your culture? It's huge. Yeah, 100%, right? You guys have been with six months, right? A little over six months. When we started, the thought of having a vacation was like, never could have happened, right? Nope. And you guys just got back from how many days in Cabo? Eight days in Cabo. Yeah, exactly. One phone call. One phone call. They went from the idea of, oh, there's no way I could ever take a vacation, the team just totally out of control, to incorporating the stuff we talk about all the time, incorporating the Daily Five Sermon, where now... They took a eight-day vacation in Cabo, had a great time, team handled it. Yeah, they were back for four days and now they're here for five days. That's great. Well, I want to say thank you for this first session. We'll take a little five-minute break.
Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Coach Podcast with Donald Burns. Tune in next time as we serve up more ways to maximize your potential. Visit our website at www.therestaurantcoach.com or download episodes at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. 